do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 68 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. This time we read The Skeleton Haunts a House by Leigh Perry. It's book three in the Family Skeleton Mystery Series. So we're <laughs> jumping in right in the, in the middle here. Or yep. I, 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 maybe the uh, seems like the middle of the series. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. Uh, so if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. So we read books that we would never read under normal circumstances. Usually this experiment results in a disappointing read, but once in a while we end up liking the book. This time we read The Skeleton Haunts a House by Lee Perry, uh, as Chris just described. Uh, this was published in 2015 and it was recommended to us by my former coworker and current friend, Christina. So thank you for the recommendation, Christina, and for being so patient with us since you recommended this like two years ago. <laughs> So. We'll get to stuff eventually. We'll get to it. Yeah, if you're not a patron, the wait time is approximately two years. That's <laughs> kind of how this goes. Uh, so yeah, th thanks for uh, recommending this. It was definitely just really bizarre. Like I, I saw this and I was like, yeah, we'll read that. It looks insane. Great. Paris, can I ask you, what makes it a family skeleton? Because it's about a family with a skeleton. <laughs> But he's like a he's a nice skeleton, I guess is the is what they're well, really before, getting at here, right? Right. Well, because he's a wholesome we... family skeleton, as opposed to all those other unwholesome skeletons. <laughs> yes. Which is, I as... guess, a perfect segue into our content warnings. Yes. Uh, so, in addition to our classic, you know, barnyard language here at Terrible Book Club, uh, we'll be discussing bones. <laughs> bones. <laughs> is that necessary? For... <laughs> you know, sometimes I just don't fucking know anymore, and I just err on the side <laughs> of extreme caution. So, like, yeah, we're we talking about bones. Skeletons. Okay, yeah, a lot murder, of bone, bone murder, puns. Uh, online bullying, and we'll briefly touch upon a statement involving Rachel President Rachel. Rachel. Oh, yeah. Let me tell Rachel. you, I have a lot of prejudgments about people named Rachel. Racial prejudice. Uh, racial prejudice, excuse me. And the use of the word handicap. That's just in the text. So I just figured I'd let people know that was not our choice. It is in the text. We're going to discuss it. Um, anyhow, this is the summary for The Skeleton Haunts a House. What holiday could bring more warmth to a skeleton's chest cavity than Halloween? And when you're a living skeleton who's not supposed to be seen outside the house, it's a welcome chance to get some fresh air and rub bony elbows with people. That's why Sid doesn't mind wearing a full-body dog suit and going as Scooby-Doo along with Georgia Thackeray's Velma to the Halloween howl. 
Sid can't wait to go through the haunted house, but he gets rattled for real when a genuine dead body is discovered. Trapped inside as the police quickly seal off the crime scene, Sid makes no bones about dropping the dog suit and posing as an actual skeleton. This murder is a skull scratcher, but as long as Sid is on the inside, he might as well case the joint, figure out who used the cover of darkness to commit the perfect crime. It wasn't really a perfect crime. No, it was no. Just a crime. It was it was a weird crime. All right, so uh, so as the summary suggested, is uh, one of our main characters here. He's a fucking living skeleton. Uh, just a bunch of bones that walk yeah, around with sentience. Let's just listen. You just bones. have to accept this. This is just a thing you have to accept when you're walking into this book. We're coming in here, book three, so I'm sure maybe something was outlined in the first couple books about why this is possible. But this is a skeleton that can think, speak without the necessary organs to speak, see without the necessary organs to see, hear, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, his body also can disassemble and reassemble at will. Um, he holds his cell phone in his skull, you know, things like that. It's pretty silly. It's very cartoonish. Um, they allude, uh, in this book, they allude to, sort they kind of give you some explanation. I guess he was at a i don't know at a carnival or something and like georgia the main character when she was a child she was like in danger and he was somehow brought to life because he needed to save a child i don't know it was they didn't give a clear explanation but first, first so, of all i don't know <laughs> first of all this carnival had a real skeleton as a yes. prop yes it did i don't know they cover i think in the first book they investigate his murder but you know we're in book three so Fuck it. I don't know. Just accept the skeleton. Um, yeah, that there's other things to, to yeah, discuss okay. besides that. Just live in that world with us. Yeah, the skeleton, the living fucking skeleton is a sidekick in this whole thing. Uh, so really? I would consider him a protagonist. I mean, Georgia, Georgia Thackeray is really the main character. Yeah, but um, Sid's doing most of the work. That's true. We can talk about that once we get through the characters. So Georgia Thackeray is an English professor, an adjunct English professor, excuse me, and a single mom who has been friends with a fucking living skeleton since she was a child somehow. Yeah, uh, just like for 20 years has had this skeleton in her life. No, longer than that. She's uh, she's supposed to be, I think, in her 40s. So um, probably for about 40 years. Um, Madison Sid mentions you've known he's known her for 20 years. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I must have misunderstood. Uh, Madison is Georgia's college-aged daughter. Uh, Deborah is Georgia's sister. She operates the haunted house on campus because she's some kind of, like, security professional or something. She, it mentions she's a locksmith. That's yes. what her job is, but yeah. then that somehow translates into running a haunted house for a university slash the rich family that does scholarship stuff for the, the university. Yeah, it's one of the many things that you're just supposed to accept in this book that I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Phil Thackeray is Georgia and Deborah's dad, Madison's grandfather. He's also a professor. So is their mom. I don't even remember their mom's name. <laughs> I didn't write her down as a character. She uh, doesn't... I, because she's referred to as mom all the time, it's not not really brought up a lot. I, yeah. It's kind of irrelevant. She's just mom... <laughs> Anyway, uh, Brownie Maddox is George's love interest. He is a an adjunct professor slash carny. Uh, that was another one that was multiclassing weird. in this D and D yeah. thing. <laughs> what the fuck would that multiclass even be? Like bard and wizard or something? Probably no. It, that's probably just straight up bard, but just like with two different subclass specialties. Ugh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Kendall is the girl who's fucking dead. 
Uh, <laughs> she's the dead body. She's the dead body found in the haunted house. Uh, Linda is another student. Uh, there's three other girls who know Linda and Kendall who factor into the mystery, yada, yada. Uh, there's the carnies, such as Soda Pop and Treasure Hunt, who are uh, Wait, brownies. Are, we, are these nicknames family. from Contra again? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it, huh? Uh, there's Roxanne, who's a grad student of... Um, George's mom, mom. Thackeray. Mom, mom Thackeray. Thackeray's grad student. And uh, there's also the McQuaid family members. So the McQuaids are the rich people that uh, kind of, I don't know if they own the, the university's named after them. And the, the haunted house happens inside of this building that belongs to the McQuaid family. There's four sisters, a long lost brother, and then Alexis, who is college age. So Alexis, Linda, the three other friends, Kendall, uh, George's daughter, Madison, they're all like the same age. They're all, I don't know, 19, 20 or something. Yeah, all right. A so those are a generational thing happening here with like three tiers of generations. Yeah. Uh, so those are all the characters. Somehow we're fucking trapped in New England. We just cannot, cannot get a spooky book that doesn't take place in fucking Massachusetts or New Every, England. Every like wholesome I, mystery book out there just takes place in our state, I guess. I, I, is there, are there a lot of wholesome mysteries going on that I don't hear in the news or something where it's like, oh, someone got killed, but this very homely professor slash sleuther solved it with the help of her family no 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 no, not mysteries Chris. all the scary books always take place in mass or new, new england true that too that's that's what i meant uh What's so what do you think is so scary about new england that draws i don't know fucking here? i don't know fucking seasons spooky <laughs> I don't know. just the, the weather is non-stop changing is i don't know so yeah yeah i don't know i feel like it's it's a lot of like people think about new england as spooky because it was the first area that was settled therefore in this area, it's where, like, most of the oldest houses are. Therefore, like, the older something is, the spookier people believe it becomes because they think more things die in and around it. I don't know. I'm sure that someone has written many a thesis on this and given more eloquent points as to why. But in any case, we can't escape where we live because this book clearly takes place in Massachusetts in, like, yeah, a, fic- a fictional area. They, they mention, area. like, Waltham and shit in here. Yep, so. and Brandeis and stuff, yeah. So, yeah, so basically, you know, the summary gives you the first, I don't know, like, quarter of the book where the skeleton's like, sick, it's Halloween time, I can, like, wander around outside, I don't have to be trapped in the attic, because the skeleton usually just lives in the attic and is online all day, just loves the internet. He's unsleepingly on the internet at (laughs) all times. Imagine how much more internet you can get into your brain when you don't have to sleep. That can't be good for his mental... Actually, he's probably one of the most, like, stable people mentally. I get People, person. Uh, he's a human being. He's a person. Of. You can be a person and not a human. That's fine. Uh, sure. Yes, exactly. So, But he's like, honestly, Sid is my favorite part of this book. He's the entertaining part of this book. All right. Well, that's <laughs> that's how you feel. Uh, <laughs> you, wait, you, how, wait, do you disagree? I'm not saying just, he's like the fu- like this book is a lot of fun. I'm saying that out of all the stuff happening oh, in this book, okay. Sid is the thing that I latched onto as like, oh, okay, I get a chuckle here and there out of his dialogue. Okay, yeah, eh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> really, so, just not offering anything. Yeah, no, here. no, because I just want to get through the plot bones. Oh god, and then we can talk. <laughs> a lot of bone puns in the book, anyways. So you're uh, just on 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 brand. On brand, yeah. Uh, so. You know, Sid's like, yeah, you can go outside. He puts on the Scooby-Doo costume. George dresses up as Velma. They go into the haunted house. Hell Kendall's- yeah. <sighs> Chris, you're- Chris has like a weird thing for... I like I like Velma. Ugh, Chris, that's so... This is disturbing. We're going to move on. We're just going to forget that, why that happened. She's cute and intelligent. What's wrong with that? 
It's it's fine. It's fine. Let's just not elaborate on it at all. Uh, just so, moving past every comment I make this episode. I'm... Yep. Just tired. Uh, so, you know, during the haunt, uh, Kendall, this this young girl, is found dead. She's, like, bashed in the head with a baseball bat or something. Somehow, yep. during, like, a zombie chase scene, this is a very... Uh... It, you know, it's dark in the haunted house, and the, the people trip over a dead body. They think it's part of the, the, the whole thing, and then someone realizes, oh, no, that's literally a dead girl. Yeah, like, I guess it, it made sense because in that particular area of the haunt, it was, like, a zombie attack chase scene. So there were zombies chasing people, and, yeah, like, a you know, a dead body on the floor is going to go unnoticed for the most part but i guess one of the staff was like wait there's not supposed to be a dead body there (laughs) and so uh they stopped the haunt the police talked to everyone and you know of course the police are going to interview everyone and ask them to take off any obscuring clothing because it's a murder investigation so sid is like shit i can't take off my scooby-doo outfit or they're gonna know i'm a fucking skeleton (laughs) yeah big problem big issue so he takes off he like somehow hides gets out of the the scooby-doo costume and like just you know makes himself part of the set dressing as a skeleton um but you know once everyone else is released they still have questions for people and like georgia too and georgia's just like shit i don't know what i'm gonna say like they're gonna find out this is gonna be weird of course yeah i walked in with the scooby-doo people saw me they're gonna be asking about who was in the scooby-doo costume yeah and then they find the scooby-doo costume abandoned and you know, Dadus Ex Machina uh, comes on the scene. So Phil Thackeray, George's dad, li- literally just appears out of nowhere right as she's about to get questioned by the police and is like, oh, uh, I came back from my sabbatical early. And uh, yeah, that was me in the Scooby-Doo costume. I just uh, borrowed it and then uh, I took it off and came out. And then I, I guess someone took it. I guess someone someone took it. Well, I, you know, when I got out of it, it was it was just this like weird fucking cockamamie story that he he wove like on the spot and the cops are just like yeah okay that's fine it it just didn't make any sense he was like yeah we came back because uh you know my wife's grad student has having an emergency so we returned from sabbatical i just didn't it just seemed like a weird choice to have that be the way that they got out of that predicament i just don't think that any i don't think that that would work (laughs) I think I, something else like this happens in the other like sort of wholesome mystery book we read, the the bacon, the murder gone awry thing. I think it's just like you know you set up an opening scene with some tension, so the person, you, the reader, wants to go on, and then you just have something come out of the blue to save them. At first, is kind of a classic move in these things. I I think it's bad writing. Yeah, uh, it's I not exactly well. It, well, this kind of does set cause the grad student that they came back for becomes relevant later on, so that's a little bit of pre-spicing the the dish well, yeah but I but i think that they i just think that they could have come up with a the, the author could have come up with a more plausible explanation um or this person could have just been fucked and they could have been a prime suspect and you know it would have been maybe more interesting that way yeah i could uh, agree with there if it was just you know uh georgia that was sort of under suspicion at first it would have been more tense than just dicking around with witnesses for like 150 pages yeah yeah this book definitely suffers from fucking svu syndrome where they go through like nine different possible assailants and it's you know it's really like the second person that they wait wait does that make sid iced tea no but who who would he be then 
No, I think it does because Ice T is always making bad puns and bad yeah, jokes. Yeah, he's the yeah, quippy one. That's right. why I said. You're right. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And and at first, you don't really understand like the relationship between Georgia and the skeleton. And she's like, there's this weird point where, uh, he uh, she's like, oh, I love. I loved kissing Sid. It reminded me of kissing my car. And I was like, what? First of all, yeah, <laughs> that's two things that are weird to kiss. Yeah, yeah. So I kissing, guess it's an apt analogy. Kissing a living skeleton. Like, not on the, I won't say lips, but not on the teeth. Uh, teeth. <laughs> but, you know, she was. it was like affection, you know, like platonic brother-sister affection. On, yeah, yeah, on the, on the head or something. Skull. Right. And she's like, it reminds me of kissing my car. And I was like what <laughs> i guess me? she really liked that first car that she got can i a quick aside here uh one thing i would like to sort of applaud this book with is, to, is having a platonic male female relationship that's just you know two buds hanging out doing stuff yeah that's true i do think that that's good i agree i suppose it's a little sort of not tainted but you know it's it's not as good as it could be since they grew up as i guess brother and sister in a way Right, right. Did but Sid you know, really grow up, I guess, either. They lived alongside each other. But still, it's nice to have this sort of male. F and I guess you c it's not like she could do anything with Sid because he doesn't have, despite being bones, he can't get a boner. Which right. Is <laughs> yeah, thank thankfully. Uh, yeah, Although and, Sid and still, I'm, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but I'm just like teasing this out more and more. Sid still like enjoys women, doesn't he? What? Does, I, I, he seemed to remember him making it aside about, like, I still like how this person looks or something. I don't remember that happening. I could be, be confusing that with some other character or whatever, but, like, I'm just curious if Sid is, like, because he's a skeleton, he's just beyond all that stuff now, and he's just on the internet all the night for not porn, which uh, is an yeah, astounding I mean, I, achievement, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, unless he's one of those people who can, like, think themselves off. We've talked about this on the show before, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? So, I mean, if that's... You know, he's been dead for a long time. He's had a lot of time to practice. Maybe he can. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but Even though he doesn't have the necessary organs for that. No, but the other, the other thing I also was grateful for... Like, I would have been more grateful if there had been no love story. But there there is, like, a very tiny little seed of like a romance in this book but it's very in the background they don't spend a lot of time on it and i really appreciated that it was very quick like georgia likes brownie the carney professor yeah, um she really so later on in the book she hooks up with him in his like carney trailer which is yeah yeah she does it's like this wholesome moment of like oh i found this guy that i really like and he's such a nice dude but like i can't get the image of like Y'all bone down in a carny trailer. <laughs> hey man, whatever whatever area is available. Sometimes, if you really like you know? someone, it doesn't matter what your surroundings are. Exactly right. Very very good. Um, the, you know the there are some things I didn't like in this book. Uh, well, let me let me get through the things that I thought were fine. Yeah. I I did actually feel like the dialogue was mostly fine. I mean, sure, it's yeah. full of a lot of dumb bone puns, like but oh, cock six. Yeah, there's this weird convention in the book where Georgia explains that when uh she first met sid you know when he first came back to life or whatever he had a he uh swore a lot and because he was being you know because he was around georgia and her sister when they were young he had to learn to stop swearing so he would just replace every swear with bones and then the <laughs> girls started doing it too so yeah there's like oh cossacks and oh 
funny ossified piece of sacrum which is a really unwieldy way to call someone a piece of shit yeah also does that mean in the first book sid was just like all these motherfuckers i'm gonna catch them fucking hope so but i don't think so uh and so it is a family skeleton mystery right so that was odd um i will say there was no grammatical or spelling errors the sentences read really easily you know they're simple there's nothing too fancy going on but you know easy to page through i will say it looked like it was you know edited at least it was coherent um but yeah there was uh the one of the things that really bugs me about the book is um georgia talks about her struggles of being the, of the struggles of being an adjunct professor and while i agree that it is quite a struggle to be an adjunct professor she lives in her parents house rent free with her daughter and both of her parents are professors and they are very well off so i mean there's like a paragraph where she's like i don't i know i don't want to take advantage of my parents and you know i move out if they wanted me to but and of course if you were in her position and that was offered to you why wouldn't you do it but then to turn around and be like oh i have to deal with this office where that i share with a lot of other people the the torture meanwhile when her boyfriend is living in a trailer and she has a co-worker that is living was living just in empty classrooms yeah, yeah. She has a friend who was living in her parents' office while they were on sabbatical because he had nowhere to live. <laughs> and and... She, she's complaining about, like, how bad she has it. Yeah, so I... Uh, it's like, look, I do... Uh, I do understand the plight of the adjunct professor. Like, th- the track to academia is riddled with poverty and misery, and I get that. But she seems to be in a particularly comfortable situation, so it's kind hard to feel any yeah. sympathy for her like and her kind of comes off as shitty her daughter like takes care of herself at this point yep. even mm. though she mentions her daughter is like a weeb offhand but she doesn't give off that vibe at all ever except for when her mom mentions it to her new carny boyfriend yeah yeah that was also strange yeah she so there's a lot of like instead of showing and developing a character there's just a lot of like telling you know, it's That's so, definitely know, the major issue here. Yeah. So, you know, instead of instead of running through like 12 different fucking suspects, like maybe flesh out your main characters and then I would give a shit about this whole thing. Uh, anyway, you know, there's other stuff like if the skeleton is supposed to be such a secret, they seem pretty cavalier about him having a phone and texting and being on the Internet and taking online courses. And it's like if anyone just used a fingernail to scratch the surface of this they would find out about this fucking living skeleton. It just, yeah. like, doesn't make sense to me. Also, like, see, like, they have this kind of advantage of having a living skeleton that they could use in so many interesting ways, and the only way Sid is ever used is, like, a sentient bug, like, <laughs> eavesdropping device. Yeah, That's they... all he's ever used for is just stuff his skull in a bag and leave the bag there, and he could listen in. No one ever questions the fact that Georgia and her sister are just leaving bags everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they basically just use they just put his head in in a purse all the time and like his head and a hand with his phone so he can communicate with them while listening. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like a missing so like, there's so many other things you could probably come up with for that, but and I guess the other thing yeah. is so they can have the comedy moments of like they zip up the bag on him when he's being too yappy or something. Yeah. Uh oh yeah, there's this other thing. This is the this is the part with the uh, you know, the fra- the phrases I mentioned in the content warnings. So there- there's a section pretty early in the book where Georgia is talking about Linda, who is uh, a character that has some relevance later. She's a student. And this is, this is the quote. 
I don't remember all of my ex-students, let alone their papers, but Linda had been attentive and enthusiastic with a fabulous head of red hair, and her haunted house essay had stood out in a sea of bland personal experience papers about overcoming handicaps, being bullied, and racial prejudice. And I was like, wait, you, what? Why you're are you saying, just you're like... saying people, people with real difficult trying experiences yeah. <laughs> are bland and the haunted house essay somehow trumped things yeah. like Rachel prejudice <laughs> bullying and having you know some kind of disability like what the fuck as a person or with different... a disability i felt a little bit discounted there yeah especially I since also... i've kind of used that before as a college essay so you know yeah and i mean i guess i'm <sighs> yeah that that sentence was weird i was like ooh, that was a bad choice like she could have said, and, and it was, and it happens twice in the book. There's yeah. another sentence later where she kind of states the same thing again. And I was like, Jesus, dude, don't fucking say that. That's awful. Like I could, you know, there, there's such an easier way to put that without, without being shitty to people. Yeah. <laughs> she could have just said, I remembered her haunted house essay. It was original. No one else had ever written about that before. Yeah. Like, why do you have to throw in all this stuff about, like, these fucking people dealing with, like, real world problems? I keep hearing about it all the time. Ah, fuck them. Like, maybe there's something you could dig deeper into there as an English professor or a writing professor. Yeah. And if, if she wanted to say, you know, oh, I'm tired of all these people writing these essays that clearly aren't genuine, that would have been fine. Because I think that some people do definitely embellish or even straight up lie when they have to write stuff like that. Sure. Um, but that's you not know, how it's put no it's, it's not put is just i can't believe i have to hear about this person's disability yeah it's pretty dumb uh yeah then my other question is like so so throughout this you might be wondering like why is this adjunct professor involved in this murder mystery like why are yeah. she and the skeleton investigating a murder i don't know it's just their hobby they do yeah it's as really a family. just like their side side hobby thing and at first uh george's sister deborah is kind of like I don't know, this has happened on my watch. And then the cops come in and they start suspecting the Scooby-Doo angle. So Deborah's justification is like, oh, I don't think they're going to get it right. So I want you and Sid on the case, which yeah. is a little thin. Yeah. And, and like, I just don't know why everyone's encouraging this person. And, and she was like, oh, it's fine. My family will like help with my grading while I'm working on this <laughs> investigation. I was like, what? And and they're like in a race with the cops. Sid and Georgia are like excited when they get like one up on the cops and they know more than them. Like why why hide that stuff? I don't get it. Why do you have to be the one to solve the mystery first? Yeah, it is really it is really odd. I, yeah, I guess I don't because know. Sid uses some questionable methods like hacking into Facebook accounts and whatnot, and then except, you have to explain like. Except he says it's not hacking. He just guesses passwords, which I, I did mean, appreciate it, the distinction. But Yeah, it's still it's pr I guess that's you can't admit that evidence, can you? But you can still you bring it to the cops and be like, here's a thing to look into from your own angle, like parallel construction. Right. Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't really know. Yeah. And again, I feel like if anyone even just blew the, the thin surface layer of dirt off of this fucking <laughs> skeleton conspiracy, <laughs> you would see that there was something going on there. Um, like if anyone ever came over the house and asked like what's up with this computer in the attic yeah and who's this person signed up for this online class who's this person on your fucking family phone plan who's this person you're texting all the time like <laughs> yeah. it's just not it's very thinly veiled and uh, 
yeah. So basically, they just solve the mystery through the power of the internet. Yeah. Is what I happens. Mean, they question, there's a couple of like false leads, SVU style. At first, um, Linda actually gets arrested as having committed the murder because a pair of bloody gloves are found in her dorm room. And that's enough for the cops, I suppose. Yeah, they find they find these bloody gloves in her dorm room, and she gets arrested immediately because the blood is, you know, from from Kendall from the scene. But in this harrowing scene where she's arrested while she's helping Mom Thackeray and Roxanne, the grad student that Mom Thackeray came back to help uh, with, like Roxanne's research paper, because Roxanne's just such so tightly wound about her research paper. She's been doing this for like five years or something. Or and like she, 10 years. Or, I don't know, some absurd amount of time. And yeah. finally, her, the professor in charge of that thing has had enough of her shit and that the deadline's really coming up. And no, no, like Roxanne well, she's, is... She's gotten an extension multiple times for her thesis. So that's, that's the setting here. And she's on her last one. So she only has a couple months to finish this. And Linda is really good with data. So she's just trying to, like, organize all of the data involved in the research. Isn't, I honestly don't even remember what the research isn't was. Isn't that the whole point of, like, wouldn't that be most of the work of doing a dissertation? So well, Roxanne is just pawning that off? No, no, no. I think, well, again, I don't think they ever even tell us what the fuck it's about. Or maybe they did. Oh, yeah, it was like a language thing. Yeah, it's uh, very briefly mentioned yeah. and not really dug into that much, except for Roxanne's kind of scatterbrained about it, and she has to have Linda around to do statistical analysis. Yes. So, anyhow, um, there are... So, Linda's the first suspect. Then they think it's Alexis, who is a McQuaid, and they think the McQuaids might be involved in the murder at the haunted house because... The haunted house <coughs> um, takes place in a McQuaid, old McQuaid mansion, and, like... Basically, if the university stops using the building for any reason, it like goes back to the family. And the only thing they use it for is this haunted house thing in the fall. Uh, so there's like this preliminary theory that the McQuaids are behind it. And they find out that Alexis uh, did send Linda the glove or did? No, somebody sent Alexis the gloves was that to what make her in yeah the mail? To, and to yeah. make her plant them on right. Linda specifically it was requested I believe oh, God honestly I don't really remember at this point uh, but anyway it's just a red herring you know like the, all all of the initial suspects are um, eventually after they they go through everyone Sid guesses everyone's Facebook passwords basically and finds out that uh, Kendall the girl who died and three of her friends uh, was Alexis included in that yeah. 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 Alexis, Kendall, and two other girls whose names I do not remember uh, were in this group called like the Divas or Devil's Divas or something. And they were an online bullying group. So they got kicks out of bullying people um, just for no reason. Like, yeah, no rhyme or reason. And they would give each other points based on how bad the taunt went. Mm -hmm. And I guess come to find out that Kendall bullied someone so badly that they killed themselves. So she was the reigning devil's diva or whatever, but yeah. I guess she she was also an alcoholic. Yes, she was going through a twelve step program. She went through a tw- through a twelve step program again when she was like I don't know eighteen or nineteen or something, and decided she was going to repent or try to repent for all of the ill she had caused by being in this bullying group. Uh, and when she went to do that, she revealed that she was the reason that that girl killed herself and the girl who killed herself. Guess who her sister was? It was Roxanne's sister. Bum, bum, bum. 
And from... Roxanne, the grad student, is the one who killed Kendall. Yeah, Come quick on. aside here. I want to say, I, I flipped to the part of the book. It, the gloves were mailed to Alexis as, like, under Linda's name and then threatening Alexis. So Alexis thought it was Linda who sent her the gloves, so she just planted the gloves back in Linda's dorm to get her arrested and, you know, it, take the threat off of her because if Linda was threatening to kill her and she's arrested for the murder, then it's two birds with one stone. Come to find out, it was really Roxanne that sent the gloves to Alexis. I suppose her plan was to set Linda up for it. I don't understand why she had to set Linda up for it. Yeah, I think they even talked about that. Like, why would you set up the person who's, like, helping you with your thesis? But, again, this whole thing doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, I, I agree that it makes sense that, you know, if you found out that someone bullied your sibling into killing themselves, you'd be really mad and some people might break with reality and try to kill that person. Like, I get it. But all the rest of the stuff that... <laughs> The way, to that. the way I, yeah. this like ties uh, off is such a sloppy knot. Yeah, it's so first of all, there's the whole why would Roxanne send it to the person that like she supposedly she needs around to do all the data crunching? I think that's like maybe like a three uh four D, five D chess move where it's like, oh, it'll take suspicion off me because obviously I wouldn't have done that if I was a rational person and trying, you know, actually the murderer. But then the next step that sort of makes this whole thing super messy is that <laughs> Sid and Georgia are like figure it out that Roxanne was the one that really did it through all these like internet sleuthing things that Sid did. And they go downstairs to tell the family, we're going to go co confront Roxanne, except she's downstairs uh, currently with her mom and Linda trying to finish off her thesis. And before... Uh, Georgia can say anything she pulls a fucking gun on everyone <laughs> yeah like and confesses that is like you're all gonna help me finish this shit right now you're <laughs> all gonna help me finish this thesis or I'm gonna cap these professors hands up like, motherfuckers this is a stick up <laughs> this is a and thesis stick up alright you're gonna write me an abstract you're gonna crunch <laughs> some numbers you're gonna get me some motherfucking snacks and if anyone moves it's all over <laughs> And if you don't finish that bibliography in <laughs> two hours, you're going to get it. And so, and I think somebody, even at some point, one of the family who's being held hostage is like, so what's your plan right now? No, Georgia like, just thinks that she's like, what, what's going to happen? Like, you're just going to, you can't just walk out of here with that without like murdering all of us. And then if you do murder all of us, you can't just hand in your dissertation because it'll be, it'll be pretty obvious, maybe. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that this was disqualifying. <laughs> like, like, I'm here to defend oh, cool. my thesis. Click, click. <laughs> I'm here to defend my thesis. Don't mind those people. They're just my hostages. <laughs> no, you're all my. You're all gonna listen to my thesis now, or you're all gonna get. She's just gonna point a gun at everyone that she comes in contact with for the rest of her life. Is the plan? I suppose. Look, look, man. Academia is tough. <laughs> all right, like this. Sh that shit can break you. <laughs> Um, and, and she even so... refers to like the murder of Kendall as like a distraction because she's so like, but so like it didn't mean that much to her, but she know. still did it. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then like, it doesn't even make sense. So of course at the opportune, at an opportune moment, like the cops show up and like Sid tackles Roxanne and gets the gun, but everyone moves in, in like such a matrixy way to like cover up the skeleton visually and no one yeah, sees Sid grabs him. Roxanne from like behind and like wrestles the gun from her and then like the then i forget how he oh it's because like when they throw roxanne to the ground 
Georgia shouts armoire out loud, which is the cue for Sid to just run into like this armoire on, in the side of the living room. And then Roxanne is still being held by like the rest of the family. And she, no one has noticed the skeleton, or I guess the very bony skeleton sounds that would be occurring, because his bony skeleton sounds sure are mentioned a lot in the book, too. Right. How do you hide something that's constantly, like, clicketing and clacketing, like, click, clickety-clackety? Oh, my God. It's like Last Halloween with the crabs book. Clickety-clackety. <laughs> uh, but seriously, it would make so much noise that, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then at the... So the cops show up, and, and their excuse for why the cops show up was, like... Uh, uh, someone asked to text someone else. Georgia and is like, let me text Madison and tell daughter. her not to come home with it so that she doesn't get caught up in this and you don't have one more hostage to deal with. Right. And in the text, she says, she it's a code, it's like a coded message where she says, oh, you should stay at your friend's house. Me, mom, and dad are going to do blah, blah, blah. And the reason it's a code is because Georgia has never referred to her dad as dad. She refers to him as Phil all the time because of some joke where she was a kid and like she was helping him at the, at his school or something. And she heard all the other professors call him Phil. So she was like, I'm going to be his colleague one day, too. So I'll call him Phil. And it was a cute, haha, funny, quirky thing. Wholesome family shit to shove into the skeleton family mystery. Yes. So and honestly, I don't think that anyone would have known that to call the police if you used a different I mean word for sure someone. it's weird that you would say dad but why is that your cue to go obviously my family is being held hostage at gunpoint to write a thesis Ex exactly <laughs> right right like obviously and I therefore... must call the police like what yeah I didn't uh, yeah and then and then like to tie it all in a particularly neat bow uh, yeah, she fucks the carny in the trailer, but, you know, it's, like, fade to black. It's very only lightly suggested. Yeah, and no, then... it's a family skeleton mystery, but then there's hardcore carny fucking pornography at the end. <laughs> no, it's an optional section. You have to, like, <laughs> pull it out from Behind an envelope. Behind the curtain, there's a small yeah. curtain on one chapter that you have to pull back. There's a literal envelope, literal curtain. Uh, <laughs> no, and, and then, uh, in, yeah, the particularly neat bow at the end is, like, the haunted house building ends up getting turned into offices for all the adjuncts. So like the prob that like background problem of all the adjunct professors being sad and not having offices gets solved too. And I was just also, like, there's kind ugh. of a side thing where Brownie's dad is the missing McQuaid heir. Oh yeah, because I about that. drama. Right, and, and it so doesn't Brownie really matter. Brownie and his dad, the missing McQuaid heir, were also suspects at one point because again, this is just like an SVU episode. Um, yeah, I feel like this book. It's like a shitty Nancy Drew for suburban moms who are, like, buying Halloween candy. Like, if you're in the checkout aisle around, you know, in October and you're like, oh, I guess I'll read this skeleton mystery. Like, if you really need a clean, wholesome and you, and murder you book. you want to share it with, like, your, let's say you're a single mom who has a daughter that you want to share a funny, quirky mystery Halloween style with. And you also don't care if a book ends in a way that makes any sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I, guess... I mean, that's... I guess That's this, is, key part there. this is here for you. I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I never felt interested or invested in any of the characters. It wasn't compelling. And honestly, it was too long for how little substance it contained. Like, they easily could have... They easily could have cut 100 pages from this. Like You could have trimmed out the yeah. whole secret McQuaid air thing. And, and, like, you know, maybe question... Like, there's a scene where they're following a ninja around... Uh, Brownie's carnival because he was a, a, one of the people that walked off from the original crime scene night and they were like oh maybe it's this ninja or something and it's a complete red herring that doesn't matter at all yeah 
for a yeah. second they think it was like the campus security guard yeah i mean and, and like i get that you know obviously real murder mysteries that's going to happen where you like you follow leads and sometimes they they don't end up with anything like you know you have a bunch of suspects and you have to narrow it down but uh, yeah i don't know it just could have been a I, little less dicking is, around this book is just not for me uh, i don't know for me a solid five out of ten just a, like right wow. down the middle like it's fine i guess that's uh it's pretty high it's pretty high chris listen like it, the the it was really like the dialogue that kind of saved it and Sid in general. The the none of the I can't really give you personality traits for much of the characters because you can describe them in five words or less that's mostly their occupation. Right? Yeah. Like it the, Georgia is the protagonist in a college professor slash mystery sleuth. Her sister is the haunt runner and kind of like they have a tenuous relationship sometimes. Right. Then her parents are professors. That's it. Her daughter is there. R- like, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, and, like, Sid's the one with the most personality, and that's just because he's a living fucking skeleton that's quippy. So, uh, I, and I appreciate some of his quippiness here and there, but only in the way where, like, I was, like, mentally exhaling through my nose, not actually. You know when you read something a little bit funny and you're like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Imagine that, but not even enough to, like, do it out loud. It's It was kind of enough in my head. And it was, like, barely entertaining a little bit, kind of. And that that's why this, to me, is a solid just 5 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I could give it a rating. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't read this, and I wouldn't recommend anyone else read it. Uh, if I not was that it's, trapped it's... on a 15-hour flight... And I had nothing else to do. And for some reason I had this, I would have been fine with using this as a way to kill three or four hours. But aside from that, nah. Yeah. I mean, and again, I think that this just isn't the kind of book for me. I don't, I I don't know. I did point out some stuff that I thought was kind of sloppy about it, uh, but it's just not, I don't know. I know a lot of people like these kind of things, but mm, I'm all set. I I just think that if you're, looking for some kind of engrossing mystery there are there are far better options out there sure. so if we're talking about like there's whether... so many mystery books that this is just yeah. one of those taking up space next to the other mystery books that are probably better this is the thing you have to push aside to get to the good stuff yeah like look dude these fucking like supermarket mysteries are a plague upon the earth like no one needs to write them no one needs to read them they contribute nothing like like, look man not everything has to be highbrow but it needs to hold my attention has to give me some kind of entertainment or knowledge I, i i just don't know who would genuinely find this entertaining like i know there are people out there that would so again i don't want to say that i don't want to sit here and say this book is like absolutely irredeemably terrible but like it doesn't add anything like whether like whether this book exists or not matters matters not right like it's, yeah it doesn't uh, mm. i mean like i was thinking about like i guess we can do our can we fix it kind of a thing here which is i suppose what we were doing anyway but if you used sid for something more than being uh, an eavesdropping tool and quip machine slash internet research like he's more of a plot device than a character he's a plot device that makes quips yeah. And maybe if you had the murder like come out and reveal themselves in a way less stupid way than just uh, all you fuckers better write this thesis cuz goddamn it needs to get written. 
Yeah. And I'm crazy because I'm so I'm so wrapped up in my thesis writing. I'm a naughty lady. Ah. Yeah, I I just didn't like I just didn't like any of it. Like, just wasn't for me. There, there's not much. I mean, yeah. let me ask. How about this? Here's a good way to what? sort of like wrap. If you had to live with some kind of like other like you know supernatural entity, if you had to grow up with a supernatural entity in your family, what would you go with? I don't know, man. Can this, can this be multiple choice? Okay, uh, my I brain mean... is tired. Um. Okay, I guess just skeleton, vampire, werewolf, um, Medusa, um, Frankenstein, hmm. a ghost. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Werewolf might be kind of fun because then you got like a big dog sometimes. <laughs> but he's like a mean big dog. Yeah, whatever. He's mean to other people, not me, right? That's the plan. I guess maybe. Okay, we'll assume that they're all wholesome versions that aren't going to yeah, attack you. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you got this big, big old dog when you don't. And then you got a friend, too, sometimes. It's like double friend. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> you know what? That's a pretty good argument. Uh, I, I think ghost is okay, too. Yeah, I'd be fine with ghost. Be like, especially if it's like a t ghost you can talk to. Because, like, I, I'm assuming this is also a ghost that can kind of go do their own thing out there and maybe turn invisible sometimes. Because they can entertain themselves and maybe you could have a little bit of fun with, like, some cool <laughs> special effects videos or something. Or, like, yeah. you know. A vampire, I think, would just get, like, you would have to keep feeding them all the time. And that's, like, a whole pain in of itself. Yeah, that's true. Frankenstein is, like, uh, the monster, not the doctor. Like, he doesn't really seem like he's up for a lot of good conversation. What if it is the doctor, though? <laughs> Just, like, you have a mad scientist living with Victor, you that keeps yeah, trying Victor to do, like, horrible shit all the time. That's just Rick and Morty, right? That's just Rick and oh, Morty. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. It's just, it's just Rick. That's just Rick and Morty. <laughs> all right. So, Skeleton Haunts a House. Not great. Not the worst thing probably don't, you know don't read it it don't don't read this unless you unless you have a yeah, very specific listen. need for skeleton related wholesome, wholesome mystery. family skeleton very specific you know what i'm gonna do a quick google right now paris oh chris and don't. see if there are skeleton mysteries well there's the series but i don't think there's anything beyond that. i'm sure, sure there's like I'm, halloween I'm, themed ones uh yeah actually this is this series is the first thing that comes up so yeah you know what? She's really filling that niche, let me tell you. In yeah. fact, it's the only thing on Google's first page. I mean, I will say the the living skeleton helping a professor solve mysteries does seem like a, a pretty original idea. Not a great one, yeah, but yeah, original. Like, I just wish she did more with it. Yeah, yeah. I wish it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe my... I mean, my distaste comes from just this being not a thing it just doesn't hit any it doesn't check any boxes for me but it's also because we're coming into the series like three books in but anyway uh i don't know do we before we before we close out the show chris do we want to do like paris and chris updates i mean uh not much has changed since the last episode i think i'm still working on like a bunch of you know music projects here and there have actually i don't think i've told the podcast about my side project i'm working on oh yeah yeah do which it. might be embarrassing in some ways chris but chris we do it we do a book club podcast that's I, true, I mean we're nerds this, of the this, highest caliber this is a fine. step this is another step down the hole uh so i, I you know um close listeners to the podcast might have picked up that um, I still watch the odd episode of Power Rangers here and there. 
since uh, my brother's a fan, and we went, to, we I even went to the Power Rangers convention in L.A. last summer. That's how far down the rabbit hole I'll go. Those suits are pretty cool to see up close, man. And there's a bunch of other cool stuff involved. Like I got to meet the composer for like that original theme song that everyone is like really super into. And there was a couple other fun things happening. There. But anyway, um, so I decided, you know, speaking of niches that need to be filled that perhaps don't need to be filled. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy metal musician and I, I've been involved in a bunch of projects and I kind of want to do something a little bit silly and, you know, so also so I can put myself in a headspace where I'm not trying to write the most cerebral music or anything. I'm just trying to get like a mood or a feeling across that's like half serious, half silly. So I'm I'm doing an EP of, of Power Rangers Death Metal. Um, I've got four tracks written. Um, I just finished the last like instrumental demo today. I got to write lyrics for it, and then it'll be into the production phase. And I've got a bunch of local vocalists helping me out with this, and they, there was pretty good response to my initial postings about it. So um, I, yeah, you know. people people seem pretty excited about it. I think it'll be fun. I think people are into it. I got some really great local talent. I got um, the former lead uh, vocalist for Pathogenic. He doesn't do vocals for them anymore. Um, I've got a friend of mine who's in my D&D group who does pretty great vocals that um, is also joining us. And then also uh, one of my favorite artists out there, Heavy Hand Illustration, Mark Richards, doing supposedly going to do his best Goldar impression for dude, me. Dude, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. Mark's, Mark's a cool dude. He's also supposedly doing the art for me. But that's kind of like lasts on his giant commission list, so we'll see. But um, it's I, I've, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I, it's gotten better response than I thought it would, even in just the preliminary stages. So hopefully, I cook up something that's worthy of that interest, and hopefully, um, y'all will be a little interested in it too. Oh yeah, I'm sure somebody, I'm sure somebody will be interested in that. That's cool. So uh, yeah, keep uh, keep your ears open for. Fucking Chris's Power um, Ranger nostalgia death. It's metal. called <laughs> Scourge of Eltar, and there you, go. You, pro- you probably have to know some Power Rangers lore to get that. But you know, yeah, <laughs> fun. Uh, let's What's see. What's up with you? Uh, well, uh, my band sold out of our re- our latest release, so that was Hooray! cool. Um, yeah, I mean, we did we did a we did a small run of cassettes, so you know, it's not like I can't believe cassettes sold out. Yeah. Hey man, heavy metal. We love cassettes, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a short run. It's not like it's a huge deal, but I'm still pretty. I'm really pleased with how well the EP was received. Uh, you know, given that we critically acclaimed. Ah, uh, let's 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 not get too crazy, but you know, people people there wrote some nice stuff about who it. Who acclaimed it? There were people that wrote some nice things about it. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it was just nice. You know, we didn't we didn't hire a PR company. Uh, we didn't buy any ads and we were not on a label so you know the fact that we got so many nice reviews and sold out of the tapes was great uh we still got some merch left so i don't know if you give a shit about heavy metal uh check out check out the merch that we have it's a uh, band is called concilium uh you can find us online on Bandcamp. but anyway there's that um uh, i did I buy ads and things for uh my lap bands last album and i got none of that so congratulations <laughs> to you for sorry, saving the money <laughs> sorry chris well we that means you did a good job that means you did a good job yes but our bands also exist in very very separate scenes like i'm in an epic doom epic heavy metal band krista is more like technical death metal metal core i don't really know if that's a cool thing to say anymore yeah who knows we're like partially death core partially black dahlia murder worship 
partially a little bit of like melodic hardcore in some sense. Right. Like, so, so like, in, like, I'm not in, trying to stick yeah. to anything. No, but I guess what I'm saying is like they're very, very different uh, arenas. So, yeah. What works for yeah. one may not work for the other. Anyway, uh, otherwise, I don't remember if I talked about hiking on the last show. Did I? Not much, I think. No, so I've done. I don't know. Sometimes, somehow, in the last month, I've I've hiked uh, two mountains, so that was fun. Uh, we did. Um, one of my guitarists is like an avid hiker, and so I went with him uh, and some other friends. We did Mount Musilock in New Hampshire. Uh, we went up Beaverbrook Trail, which was um, really steep, and up a bunch of waterfalls, and it was really cool. It was difficult, but fun. And then this past weekend, we went backpacking. So we um, we went up Mount Isolation in New Hampshire. Uh, and we went up Glen Boulder Trail, which was also very steep and difficult. Uh, and uh, it was great, though, because there was some legitimate, like, scrambling, you know, like some minor rock climbing, which I loved. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I never, ever thought I would be a person who would climb mountains and rock climb but here i am uh there's some pictures that i'll post maybe on um maybe on twitter um uh, and the instagram yeah so you can see me uh you can see me climbing some rocks with some friends uh but it was a really great experience and it's difficult but you know the people with me were patient and supportive of <laughs> of you know me being kind of a novice at this but i will say if you are planning on hiking anything with some steep inclines going to the rock gym a few times beforehand very helpful <laughs> very helpful uh so you don't feel like you're gonna die uh there were some there were some good moments like um this past weekend when we were when we camped up near the summit of mount isolation uh we ended up at this site with a bunch of other people because that mountain doesn't really have any there's not many places you can camp um and by camp i mean there's just like an area like that is designated for you to camp there's no like facilities it's right it's just... ramshackle wooden sign <laughs> no. with camp hand painted in someone's blood on it <laughs> no thankfully um and you know and backpacking is like you have to bring all your shit with you so we were we were doing this with like fairly heavy packs um anyway uh we ended up at a camp with these these dudes from rhode island and they were so fucking nice they they had a fire going they let us share their fire uh they had uh you know some other stuff they shared with us <laughs> uh, uh you know uh chris why are you making a weird sound uh, i'm just trying to figure out what could that because i know things you partake in that you wouldn't have oh, to i i would not i would not have partaken in this but other people okay did. oh I, right. I understand i understand yeah. <laughs> uh and uh you know it was it was nice like it only rained a tiny bit right before we got to the camp um we did the summit in the morning just because we had a long day and uh it had started raining a little bit and it was getting getting dark by the time we camped so we just did the summit the next day and it was i mean the summit was like a mile from camp so it wasn't bad um but yeah i mean it was gorgeous the, oh, the foliage was just beautiful um yeah i don't know uh it's just something that i guess i wouldn't really think that i would like if you would have told 20 year old paris that 30 year old paris was fucking literally climbing mountains like climbing rocks on a mountain i would have been like fuck you no <laughs> hey if but, you told you know. 20 year old chris that he'd be writing power rangers death metal in his spare time and doing a book podcast with his best friend about bad books he probably wouldn't have believed you either so you know yeah right like if somebody was like hey you're gonna be doing this long Wait, i podcast. knew you we knew each other when we were 20 oh that's true oh my god this is <laughs> gross how old am i <laughs> that that was like the f year one of our friendship 
Uh, yeah, because Chris and I met the first day of college. Fun fact. We've yeah. known each other for a long time. Yes. Oh, well, that's 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 a, that's kind of like the skeleton and her college professor, his college professor friend. So that means I have to fucking die and you have to skin me alive and then I can sit on the internet even longer than I already do. Oh my god, Chris, is that why is that why you have such an affinity for Sid? Oh no. Because oh. <laughs> It's me. It's you. I am the skeleton. You're the skeleton in the attic on the computer at all hours of the day. That says quips. That says quips. It's me. God damn it. Oh no. Wait. That means what? I'm immortal. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's fucking rad. Awesome. Be Im embrace your immortality. Uh, you also know that this means you're going to have to do the thing that happens in this book where you wash the inside of my skull, which oh. seems like a really intimate thing. D doesn't it not? Does it not seem like that's kind Man. of a sex thing? No, no, no. That's like, that's like one of those things that's like weirdly intimate, but not sex. And you're just okay, like, yeah. oh, it's still weird. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Like, giving someone a massage, also, like, weirdly intimate, but not sex. Like, there's so many things like that. Sure. Like, if if you gave me a massage, I wouldn't be completely creeped out, but just a little. Yeah, see, I wouldn't want to. That's the yeah, thing. Like, that, it's yes, like, eh. yes. um, I mean, unless it was a situation where you were like, if I was oh, my a, God, yeah. I'm in excruciating pain, and yes. your, your hands are the only hands in this general vicinity that can <laughs> or alleviate. Or perhaps if you were literally a licensed massage therapist and I paid you for your services. Right. That's but true. that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I. <laughs> uh, yeah. So other than uh... I guess me finding out that I'm a living skeleton with meat surrounding me. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're all living skeletons, Chris. Yeah, but me extra. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean other extra than... big skeleton energy, big bone energy, big big bone energy. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I guess other than my. Re recent affinity for climbing mountains uh and stuff and the band thing doing all right um yeah i think that's about it oh yeah i started running outside again too which is good um you know it's shitty running it's not great like i'm just running intervals right now with uh with my friend justin because we're both shitty enough to run together uh everyone else in our in our friend group is like too good of a runner to run with either of us so if you were close, I would join you on those because I'm all I've like I don't think I've ever gone on a run in my entire life. Well, I gotta say, you gotta you gotta you gotta do it at some point. It's way I more enjoyable to run outside than the gym. I think I'm gonna cancel my gym membership actually. I do I do a stationary bike at home because I I don't have like even good shoes for running, I think. So you know. Yeah, you gotta get gotta get good shoes or you're gonna hurt yourself, but uh yeah, um, I think that's it. So uh, thanks to Christina for recommending this book. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show and for being a great friend. Um, hope everything is cool with you in Colorado, Christina. She's over there, over there doing some cool grad school stuff. Uh, so please don't hold point... anyone hostage for your dissertation. When you, when you're done. Please. <laughs> yeah, Christina, don't use this book as a guide for how to finish your fucking thesis. Um, no, I don't think that would happen. Uh, anyway, thank you to our Patreon supporters. So thank you, Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Jared, Lynn, Sina, Jakob, Torben, aka Duck King, Bobby Blackcat, Ayame, Jensina, Mayo Cat, and our newest patron, Elliot. Yay, welcome, Elliot. Thanks Hello. a lot for your support. Thank you. Hopefully you are enjoying all of that back Patreon content. There is a shit ton of it. 
Um, if you too want to help support the show, you can do one of four things. So you can also become a patron by heading over to patreon.com slash join slash terrible book club. You can join at the $5 a month level or higher uh, and see special video segments that we do. And you can also download audio tracks where Chris and I watch movies or TV show companions to books that we've read on the podcast. You can listen to the show on the Radio Public app. Uh, this will help passively generate income for the show. So if you can't or are unwilling to give us money directly, you can give us money uh, indirectly by listening to us on that app specifically. Every time you listen to us, we get two cents and an extra dollar bonus if you listen to three episodes in a row. So you can download the ep- download the the app listen to three episodes and fucking delete it whatever you gave us a dollar thanks you can also share episodes and links to the show on social media or just tell a friend um finally you can always leave us a review on itunes or some other platform again i've been seeing more of those lately so thank you very much to everyone who's done that it's helpful you You know people see a good review and it makes them more likely to listen to the show so Mm -hmm. i saw the one that mentioned that they laughed their nips off (laughs) yeah yeah so i'm sorry about that i hope their surgery wasn't too expensive <laughs> um, and just remember that we enjoy interacting with you. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, or you can always send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. Uh, since it is October, we are going to continue doing our spooky books this month. So, uh, the next two episodes, I think, are going to be kind of spooky Halloween themed books. So, we hope you enjoy. Uh, the next one's going to be, ooh, super not safe for work and super bizarre. Yeah, it's episode so- 69. So, get ready, y'all. Some oh. nice times oh jesus yeah like this one was this episode was nothing yeah this we're gonna go in completely the opposite direction of wholesome next time get get all that wholesome energy out now because <laughs> uh yeah well thanks for joining there, us and, I, uh, I remember what? actually uh, just to, to illustrate to our listeners the, the extent of this i was um at your place when you were handing this off to me and we were doing some other tbc related stuff and I happened to open the next book to a random page, um, and I had to set it down immediately and ask you if you knew about a specific um, fetish? Yeah, and so, I didn't know. So, you know. Oh. Paris is going to learn about some new stuff. Oh, great. Can't wait. Ugh. Anyway. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for thanks for visiting us on this, on this very mild episode, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe maybe just really prepare yourself mentally for the yeah. next one. Yeah. Just buckle down as much as you can. Yeah. So with that, we leave you. We wish you a spoopy October, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. All right. Bye, Paris. Bye, Chris. Bye.